0: Welcome to the Augusta Golf Show podcast. Now, here's John Patrick. Well, Joe Buck has called World Series, MLB All-Star Games, Super Bowls, five U.S. Opens. He is now, of course, the play-by-play voice for Monday Night Football on ESPN. Joe loves the game of golf. It is always a pleasure, I love this, to welcome Joe Buck back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Joe?
1: i'm good john it's good to hear your voice again
0: yeah, it's good to hear yours tell me about your summer where did you play give me some highlights
1: uh well i played at cajo played very uh, average at best mm-hmm. Could not avoid the periodic doubles uh which just absolutely crush your ability to pile up points didn't make a lot of birdies putted it So many, just, just frustration at Tahoe. I didn't embarrass myself, which I guess is the only bar I should set uh, when I go out there and, and I really haven't done much. You know, I not doing baseball has freed up my summer. Uh, I have not packed it with golf uh, except for in and around St. Louis where I live. And I've just been raising five-year-old twin boys. Uh, (laughs) I had an older daughter get engaged. So I've got them coming and going and uh, it's it's been a it's been a very relaxed summer, and I can't wait because of that to get back to work and to get after Monday Night Football, starting with a preseason game in August.
0: Do the Twins? Do you, will the Twins play golf? Do you think they'll play golf? Would you like them to play golf?
1: If they want to see their father, they better learn how to play golf. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've I've got one lefty and one righty. Oh. Uh, I've got one that's. Pretty obsessed with hitting anything he can with a bat, a stick, uh, a sword, you name it. And then the other one is is in and out. Uh, he, he is a, probably a little bit more nimble of an athlete than his brother. But, yeah, they, they both – I've got a track man here at the house, uh, not to brag, but it's a new addition. So maybe that's the answer to your first question. I've I've played a lot of golf in my garage. Uh, and and so we play a game that comes on that track man where you're hitting at targets and little dragons pop out and whatever so it's it's kind of sugarcoating the information pill like learn how to hit the golf balls but make dragons appear which for five-year-olds is uh, is exciting okay
0: I love that I do by the way do we like the fiance I,
1: I will say this you raise these kids to be, the best possible versions of themselves as they can be. And you hope to God that when they pick somebody that they are theoretically going to spend the rest of their lives with, that they choose wisely. I have made the joke that I love my future son-in-law more than I love my own daughter. The kid is, unless he's the greatest actor of all time, (laughs) He takes care of her. Uh, they're a great pair. He's uh, f- most importantly financially stable. Uh, he comes from a good family. Uh, he's just—he's everything you want. Like if you, it's like the weird science creation of uh, of a fiance for your daughter. Like if you if you put a computer program together, uh, this is what you would hope to spit out. So yes uh, to answer your question the kid is fantastic
0: good good now you do understand that weddings you're gonna be writing checks like it's inertia you'll just you won't stop. oh
1: my god I love John getting told by my daughter what I'm gonna spend on this wedding uh, <laughs> and and her going through going through budgets and I mean it's it's just funny she's 27 she by if she was sitting here I would say this she's not sitting here so I'll still say it I mean she's uh she's a quirky kind of flighty, flaky, great, funny kid who's never thought about a budget in her life. And for her to like be combing through budgets and, and then presenting me with the, uh, the overall numbers is I know nerve wracking for her and uh heartbreaking for me.
0: Have you said no to anything,
1: man, that is such a good question. <laughs> uh, you mean like now or ever? Maybe no, 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 now. No, no, no now. now. I know I know what you're saying. I, uh, I don't say no very often. I don't say no in my professional life, my banquet circuit life, uh, as much as I probably should. And I definitely did not say no to my girls uh, probably sufficiently enough. So the answer is no. Yeah. Uh, I have not said no.
0: Financially, it'd be a good time to start, Joe.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, especially as a 27-year-old adult. I mean, she's the age I was when I did my first World Series. So uh, I start comparing. You know, she's she's acting. She's she's getting jobs. She's getting hired. She's talented. Uh, I I think she's really good at what she does. She's nannying. She's making money. uh, But... Yeah. I, I think uh, I think it's it's getting high time for her to stand on her own.
0: We're talking with Joe Buck here on the Augusta Golf Show. Uh, I have read that you have said that you, you would not trade that five-year run of USGA events for anything. You loved doing that, didn't you?
1: I did. I mean, I, it was hard. It was way harder than I thought it would be. And I've said this before, too, that I remember when Fox got the rights and and they knew how obsessed I am with a game of golf. And and, and that's fine. I mean, a lot of people are obsessed with the game of golf. Um, But that doesn't mean you can call it. That doesn't mean that you can settle into a nice tone. It doesn't mean that you can settle into the rhythm that's required for doing golf. Um, And I remember Johnny Miller saying, well, you don't just fall out of a tree and do a U.S. open. And I, I was, Matt. I was like, well, how dare he? But after doing it a couple of times, you know, I, I came to realize that, that that's right. You know, you, you have to do reps. You have to get reps. And that's why, you know, I would put our last U.S. Open, which was at Pebble, uh, up against anything that we did. And certainly I, I would say up against anything I see now. I, I thought it was unique and different. And when Jim Nance came in our booth and he did, uh, he did a little bit of golf for us and with us, which was an honor and a treat, he, he grabbed me and he's like, look, I, I live here and I'm seeing shots of the golf course and the topography in this area that I've never seen before. You guys are doing something that's really different. And, and it was the greatest compliment that we could be paid. So it, it was a slow burn. It was a long crawl, uh, a lot of work, a lot of, I don't want to say discomfort but but not feeling like I was in control early uh to get to a point where okay we kind of got this down how we're doing this and then it was gone so uh you know I, I was I was bummed when it was gone uh I I loved it as I've said I mean I, I've done thousands of games it feels like at Yankee Stadium and Fenway and Lambeau and and I've never gone on the field and thrown passes or taken batting practice or whatever, but I've played a lot of these golf courses. And and to be in there and to realize just how, how difficult the golf courses are and then to see what they do to them, uh, it, it's pretty mind-blowing for somebody that's played as much golf as I have. So I I, I treasured it, and, and I miss it very much.
0: If ESPN came to you and said, Joe, you want to do Thursday, Friday at the Masters, what would you tell them?
1: Uh, hell yes. Uh, yeah, I, you know, and that, and that's different. I, you can see a shot on a monitor on your TV and go, Oh, that's seven. You can see a shot and go, Oh, that's 11. You know, you, I mean, you know, you can lay out. I mean, I know we're used to it, but I, I anybody that's a golf fan can lay out the golf and played it a number of times. You can lay it out in your mind. And, and that was part of the gig with, learning these different venues of doing us open i'd played oakmont a bunch so i knew that one that never laid eyes on aaron hills i'd only played shinnecock one time played it horribly um but but Augusta is a different deal i think they're in great hands and and they they employ a guy who i absolutely adore and that's curtis strange um you know i still text all the time i think he's phenomenal on television i think he tells it like it is um so i'd love to work with curtis again but i think with scott and and the crew that they have they're in great hands they don't need me poking around there but if they asked me I, I sure would run down there and, and do whatever they want
0: if if they did if you did find yourself doing that again and maybe you thought about this maybe you haven't would you do anything differently
1: yeah i i think what i learned by the fifth year i was so worried about the mechanics of calling golf that I, I never really got to being able to kind of pull back and look at the bigger picture. I, I think that's what Jim does so well. That's what Dan does so well. The people that do golf regularly, they're not worried about, you know, the the mechanics of who talks when, you know, that, that was something that hard, that's hard to get a hold of, you know, like I set up what hole we're on. Who's taking the shot? What shot this is? And then shot happens. Then it's on course reporter. Then it's main analyst. Then maybe it's it's somebody that's in that tower, which is how we started doing golf. And you start worrying about the mechanics and like it's like, do I go? Do I not? And you're just doing the basics and the bare bones instead of you know, this is, this is a player, whoever it is, Speeth comes into this fifth hole with a lot of confidence. He's been on a good run. He's been putting well. You know, whatever it is, just kind of pulling back and talking about what we think about when we're playing golf. You know, whether it is confidence or a hot putter or, you know, he's blocked his last two drives right. There's trouble on the right here. Let's see what he does. Like, that kind of stuff That's that's the next level. It's not real next-level thinking but it's next level for what you should be talking about on a broadcast to make it interesting um, and, and where a player sits on the leaderboard and where opportunities are coming up. It's that kind of stuff that I, I finally kind of started getting to uh, by year four or five, uh, and, and I think I, I, I would start at a better place if, if I were to do it again.
0: Jody, you take some satisfaction in watching golf now and seeing that you know, the things that the network and Mark Loomis and you guys were doing are now implemented on all of the other networks?
1: I do. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anybody else really recognizes that. I, I, I certainly know this, and, and you know this way better than me, but the golf community and the golf TV community is, is very, I don't want to say closed off, but it's like, you know, when we showed up at Fox, even though I've played it all my life and I've been around it, you're the outsider. And, and so I I think where we did set ourselves apart was by the innovations and the money, frankly, that Fox threw at it. I mean, that, that stuff's great to dream it up, but then it takes money and it takes, you know, how much do you want to, and Fox didn't really spare any expense with the tracers that were on handheld cameras, which now we kind of expect. And, and that takes money. Um, You know, say what you want about the microphones, and and it drove me nuts, too, with the noise of the ball gurgling down into the hole. But the unintended consequence of that microphone was hearing audio that we'd never heard before. You know, Spieth talking to Greller, a player mad at himself or herself for missing a putt, whatever it is. You were getting it right from literally the ground. Um You know, yeah, I I do take a lot of satisfaction, and I do look at golf coverage now with a much different eye than I ever did before I did it. I I didn't really, I I understand now better the debate and the the conversation around live shots versus tape shots and how you strike that balance and how much you're holding an audience hostage if you don't show a lot of live shots, but if you want to build drama and you want to kind of piece it together in order to make it a really good television product, you have to hold some shots back, and you can't show everything live. And and so there's a balance, and the great producers do that really well. So um, I'm, I'm proud of, of my five years of doing it. Uh, I'm proud of, of where we got to, and, and if it ever came along again, I, I wouldn't hesitate to do it again.
0: What do you make of, of the state of professional golf these days, live golf, PGA Tour, all of that?
1: I mean, it's messy. You know, I, everything that came out yesterday with Tiger and, and, and kind of taking a more uh, of a leadership role there I think is good. Um, talked with, oddly enough, talked to Pat Perez, who's a good friend of mine, uh, last night about stuff going on in his life and, you know, losing his younger brother and, and talked about live. A little bit. I mean, they they forced the hand of the PGA Tour. I mean, I think as as we get further away from from that shocking day when uh, the announcement came, I texted Justin Thomas uh, when that came out, and I said just just tell me you had an inkling that this was coming. And he said his text I think literally was, "Bro, I had no idea. None of us did." And and it's just it's just shocking all that's transpired. I, I hope that in the end, it's it's better somehow for the PGA Tour, whether it's a, an infusion of capital or it 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 brings uh, players back together. So we're seeing the best players play in events somehow, some way. But I, I still don't know how you neatly get past. These players that rejected the live offer and rejected in some cases over a hundred million dollars and then watched their fellow competitors take the money and now all of a sudden we're gonna be one big happy family again. like that that's a hard one for me to understand how that gets rectified. I, I hope smarter people than me figure that out.
0: Uh, a couple of more things. I know it's a golf show, but but you've done so many things in your career. Let me start with football. What are your expectations for this year, and 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 how do you think Aaron Rodgers will do in New York?
1: Well, we've got him week one um, with his debut, and it's at home, and it's against Buffalo, which is, you know, it's a great game anyway, but you know, you got Josh Allen. you got, theoretically, the return of DeMar Hamlin. You've got Aaron. Uh, I think Aaron's going to play great. I, I saw him out of Tahoe. Uh, he's in great shape, as good a shape as I've seen him in the offseason in a long time. Uh, he was engaged in the OTAs. I've, I think when you've got a Hall of Famer and a four-time league MVP out to prove something to people, Uh, that makes it dangerous for his opponents because I I think he'll be dialed in. And he's got a good team. It's not, it's not, hey, we got Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be the only guy that's got a good defense. They've got good receivers. The question for me is, how good is the offensive line? If the offensive line is better, I think he'll be really good. Um, and even if it's not greatly improved, he's so good at getting rid of the ball that he can make up for some holes on an offensive line. So I think he'll play great. The AFC is loaded with teams and quarterbacks and youth and, and the NFC looks like Philadelphia and everybody else. And, and I, you know, going in and this is obviously barring injury, uh, which is always the X factor, but I, I think it's, it's Philly clear cut in the NFC. And there's, Four, five, maybe six teams in the AFC that could theoretically come out of there and, and represent the conference in the Super Bowl. Uh,
0: baseball, uh, multiple pitchers throwing a no hitter—is that a no hitter?
1: <laughs> uh, it's not the romantic no hitter. It's not. Yeah, it's a no hitter by the book. Um, the team didn't get any hits, but you know, it, it's I. I, I on one hand, do you Jody? More no. Joe, do you huh? think
0: Nolan Ryan thinks it's a no hitter?
1: No, I know Nolan Ryan <laughs> does not think that it's a no hitter. Huh. Um, on, on you know, with the way pitching is handled today, and the way that guys go out and, and a, a seven inning start is cause for a parade. Uh, you know, you're you're you, on one hand, you should go. Well, we're not going to hardly see any more no hitters because guys just aren't conditioned to go nine innings. On the other hand, you've got so much swing and miss in today's game that only a pitch count is going to get in the way of guys when they're really on, if guys are are looking to launch as the game has evolved and contact is, is not really rewarded and strikeouts are no big deal and batting average is kind of forgotten about. We should see more no-hitters. So I I don't know how that comes out in the wash. But to answer your question, uh, it's a no-hitter, but it's not a (laughs) no-hitter.
0: Thank you. Uh, uh, The baseball player, give me the baseball player that you were privileged, that you felt privileged to watch play, and then tell me the one you wish you'd seen play.
1: Well, the one I wish I'd seen play, I would give you two. Stan Musial, who was obviously the Cardinal great and one of my dad's best friends, and I knew him as an older man, and I, I know the kind of person that he was. And just the, the tales of, of where the marks were on his bat. He never had a, a baseball mark on his bat that was down by the handle or off the end of the bat. He just could center up pitches unbelievably. My dad's favorite player was Willie Mays. Uh, just for on field and and the abilities that he had. I mean, he did everything: power, average, arms, speed, uh, everything. So I, I wish I had seen Willie Mays play. I was born in 1969, so I I missed all that, uh, and I missed the 50s and 60s. And there's so many unbelievable. Mantle would be another one. DiMaggio, uh, the guy that that I think consistently delivered. Uh, would be Jeter. I mean, and I think analytically speaking, he probably wasn't the greatest analytic shortstop. He wasn't the greatest hitter. But if you wanted one guy up in the ninth inning with the game on the line, and the bases loaded, it'd be Jeter. If you flipped it around and you were on defense and the bases are loaded and the game's on the line, you'd want to hit the Jeter. Uh, He was a, a captain in a city that just begs for controversy. And he lived his life. He had his fun, but, but he managed to tiptoe through the raindrops and and never really get into trouble, you know, whether, whether it was the way he acted or something that he said after the game, I I just think he handled himself with such class. Uh, he was, you know, he was raised right. And, And I think it, it showed every day for the Yankees. So I, I, I I saw him deliver time and time again in October when it matters the most. Um, and for that matter, Mariano Rivera. I mean, he's the Wayne Gretzky and the Michael Jordan of closers. So uh, those are the guys that I saw the most. But those are also the guys that I saw succeed the most.
0: He is Joe Buck. Uh, Joe, you've been very uh, you've been incredibly gracious with your time. Thank you for doing this. Uh, have a great season, please.
1: All right, buddy. Yeah, good to talk to you, John. Thanks.